Mark and I would love, love, love to become your coaches in the Bestseller Academy next year. Register by December 31st and we will meet you in January for Craft and Writer's Life Coaching. We can't wait to find out about your writing goals and are ready to support, inspire and cheer you on to the end. We also have scholarships available and the Academy is fully inclusive regardless of writing experience. So want to learn more and have a taster? Well, Mark and I have recorded a very special writing goals workshop, which is available for a limited time. Simply visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy to view the webinar now. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Hello and welcome to the bestseller. Hang on a minute. What? Got a new, got a new What's going tune? on? We need we need something a little bit more festive, festive Mr. Stay. What do you definitely. think? All yeah. right, let's, let's see if we can work. That's Hit better. It. There we yeah. go. That's the spirit. Hello and welcome to the Christmas special bestseller experiment where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And a Merry Christmas to you all and season's greetings and however you celebrate uh, in this in in the midst of the bleak midwinter I was uh, I got up this morning and I said to Claire there's a reason we take it easy this time of year it's dark when you wake up you get about three hours of murk and then it gets dark again so yes let's let's put some lights on and get festive and cheery and and all that kind of stuff so absolutely yeah, yeah. and and I don't want to don't want to make you jealous Mr Stay but over here in Canada we do actually have a little bit of snow uh, and apparently he's going to stick around for Christmas. Mm, right. So the kids, White that's Christmas. great because because that will partially offset the vast amounts of quality street that is currently being eaten in our household. <laughs> Some things never change. Some things never change. So, Mr. Say, happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you, sir. Yes, yes. For those joining us, for those joining mm. us on on the YouTube video, uh, we have indeed bought out our best gear again, Mister Stay. Well, this is this this is another hat. hat. This is another hat from Claire. This is a Christmas pudding hat, as you can see. There's there's you know, and there's a bit of you know holly there as well. And uh, the t shirt, uh, keeping with the Star Wars theme from last time, is an Atat. That looks like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So, you know, so, yeah. and a uh, traditional Christmas scarf as well. So, yeah, so folks, we've been promising, we've been promising that we were going to do a, a bit of a different Christmas special. It's Christmas. Everything changes at Christmas. The world kind of stops. And we've decided today that we're going to do a nostalgic look back to years gone by of favourite things that we got as gifts or we gave as gifts and we've put the question out to our audience to find out and my goodness me mark you know of all i mean we've been doing this podcast for five years we put questions out ever we put, yeah. we put <laughs> questions out for like we're interviewing michael Connolly. what would you like to ask him we put out a question to say like tell us about your christmas well like you Wallop. say biggest response absolutely brilliant so we've got a lot of things to get through today we're going to be name dropping like crazy so if you're a fan of the podcast if you've if you've written and listen out for your name you'll probably appear at some point but Mr. State, let's just let's just start from the beginning. What's your earliest memory? What is your earliest memory of Christmas? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I I think it was a Christmas in Ireland, actually. Yeah, really? we went over to see my grandparents in Ireland, and uh, we went over on the ferry, 
And um, it was kind of a scary experience, you know, going on a ferry across the Irish Sea. In well, yeah, the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just um, spending time with my, my grandparents and uh, just having a... It, it, I remember it was... Actually, this wasn't the first one. This was later. But I do remember being in Ireland when they showed the Star Wars holiday special. And if you're a Star Wars fan... This is by far the worst thing that George Lucas has ever done. <laughs> you know, bless George for creating Star Wars, but he's done some terrible things along the way, and this was the worst one. And my grand, I remember my granddad kept turning over the TV to the racing because he loved the GGs. Yeah. And uh, granddad, I want to watch Star Wars. In retrospect, I realise he was doing me a huge favour. <laughs> um, this so like a made-for-TV thing, then? I've, I've oh, never even heard it, of it. Oh, mate, it's <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. You, you, you know, they and all the stars were in it. You know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford was in it, and it had all these weird little sketches and songs. It was, interesting. Songs? Songs. Well, oh, it's like don't. Saturday Night Live Stars. Yeah, yeah, uh, really? yeah, 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 yeah. It was, oh, it was just bizarre, goodness. and it was all uh, around Life Day. They had to go to the Wookiee Homeworld because um, uh, uh, Chewie was celebrating Life Day with his family, and they and you meet Chewie's family and, and the kids and everything. <laughs> <Sounds> absolutely awful. <laughs> it, it really is. Carrie Fisher, poor Carrie, who was you know on something at the time was singing not on the same planet as everyone else Harrison Ford had contractual obligation written all over his face and, <laughs> and, and a look, look was like I'm going to kill George when I'm through with this um, but but it was it had a little animated section yeah. uh, which had the first appearance of Boba Fett actually oh, so wow. uh, yeah so that, that, that well was, it just that... shows you it just shows you you can take a wrong turn and still survive <laughs> I mean <laughs> boy yeah <laughs> Really, boy, how do, I mean, Lucas said he's had every VHS destroyed, but you can find it on uh, on YouTube if you go looking on the, on the dark web. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Well, so how, about you? Of, how about you? What, what was your earliest Christmas memory? Well, so, so lots of traditions in our family, and I mentioned this, uh, I think, a couple of years ago in one of our Christmas specials where I, 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 um, I grew up in a European family my mum mum being German, and we would we would always start Christmas celebrations. Um, kind of around lunchtime on Christmas Eve, which was amazing because for anyone in, I never got this in England, like everyone's like wakes up, wrap, you know, unwraps presents, does the Christmas lunch and it, like spend all day cooking it and all day then washing it up and then the rest of the day suffering on the sofa. Yeah. And, and it's over and done so quickly. This is my overriding memory of, of Christmas Day is it's so, it's, it's done so quickly. So as a, as a kind of a European Christmas, we would start a lot earlier and having that extra like half a day made mm. so much difference. Not only because we would have like a Christmas kind of family meal, we'd have a fondue around five o'clock, which was always a highlight, like just like trying not to set the dining room table aflame <laughs> with the, the metal-aged spirits. <laughs> but also, but also um, the fact that we always got to open our presents on Christmas Eve. And Whoa. so we'd go, we'd go to midnight mass and all these, all these, Friends of mine from school would be at midnight mass and we'll be laughing. I used to altar serve actually back in the day in a Catholic church and I'd be up the front and the uh, church was next door. This is really bad planning. The church was next door to the pub. No, that's, that's, look, I've got Irish Catholic in my family. That's very deliberate. There's no, that's no accident. <laughs> Especially Priest on Christmas Eve. Priest is the Eve. first one in. <laughs> Especially on Christmas Eve because you could literally, people would come out of the pub when they yep. used to shut still at 11 and they would stagger into church and as an altar server it was one of those moments once a year that you had to brace yourself because you're up at the front 
or you know, adorned in this white kind of angelic robe, which which I wasn't, by the way. And none, no, no, the other altar servers were. We, we need photos, Mister D. Oh, photos on the BXP I group. I don't. Yeah, know if I don't have give a photo. me that. They exist. Oh, no. Yeah, they've all been destroyed with the VHS tapes. But um, <laughs> the funniest thing was is that this one year, and I'll never forget it. You know, when you're in the back of the classroom and you get the giggles. And and your shoulders start going, and you and you know that you're going to get in trouble. Well, imagine doing this midnight mass, okay, in Fetchum in Surrey, <laughs> was rammed. It was the biggest service. There were p- people like spilling out, and half of the people, maybe, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but there were a number of people that had come from the pub, and I kid you not, they'd been in the pub pretty much most of the day. And I remember this one guy, and he. It just got my funny bone. I was up there trying to look all, all kind of like, you know, serious and, and trying to pay attention to what I was meant to be doing and assisting the priest with the communion or whatever. And every single time the congregation went quiet, it's like, let us pray. This bloke at the back would shout, Amen! Amen! <laughs> <laughs> at the most inappropriate moments when everything went quiet, it's Amen! Amen! And then the trouble was, there were altar servers on both sides of the, um, the I don't know what it's called at the top. What did I learn? Um, but you'd, you'd, be, you'd be facing, you'd be facing your, your mates from school that were all salt serving and trying to avoid eye contact because you knew the minute you did, you'd get the giggles and then everyone would start laughing in the church as well. It was so just, this, this, this fetch from about 1986, it could have been me or someone from my family. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, if my uncle Desmond was over, it was almost certainly him. Oh, um, it was just see, a car crash every year. <laughs> See, our, our, we we had the very traditional British thing, which is you get up at the crack of dawn on Christmas Day, you open the presents in a frenzy of torn paper, um, and then uh, you know you plonk plonk yourself in front of the telly and you know watch Top of the Pops and a Bond movie. But uh, one particular year, uh, well, actually, I'm going to save this for when we talk about presents later because there's there's one particular year that was quite traumatic. But what we do <laughs> what we do now is quite similar now. But the thing that's been added, what Claire. And her family have brought to the tradition is you go for an afternoon walk around the neighbourhood, look at the Christmas lights and judge people. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, look at those. Ooh, what are they thinking? Ooh. Why have they so, got yeah. those things projecting on their house? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, of course, in Canada, we, we, we like to do it. We like to do it full on over here. Christmas lights, Mark, you would yeah. not believe it. I mean, literally, first the mothership of December, from Close Encounters, yeah. First of December, the entire <laughs> the entire town gets like electricity surge. As as one of my friends, bless him, down the road, he has the most. It's his hobby. It's his hobby, and he adds to it every year. And it is literally, you could see it from the moon. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the most thing. I'm sure there've been car crashes outside his house because he lives on a main road, and everyone like slows down. One year, he even tuned in a frequency on the radio station so you could actually have background music playing to the light mm. show in the front yard it was Very quite good. spectacular but uh, yeah that's that's a big thing over here in canada i know i think especially um it seems to be a challenge for a lot of people to kind of one up their neighbors as well i don't know if that's yeah. you see that a lot yeah. in the uk as well now but you do you do get houses that look like uh blackpool has landed on them so, you know, or Vegas. Yeah. yeah it's, the scary uh, thing is they also do that at Halloween over here. And there is, I kid you not, a chap down the road that opens his garage um, and he has an electric chair. 
in the carriage. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> wow. Not real, but it's all got sound effects and it lights Brilliant. up and the kids can go and sit in it. <laughs> it's very weird. This kind of sounds like a town would, that would actually be a kind of a central location for a Stephen King novel, as I talk about it, does, it to myself. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But anyway, well, let's dive well, in. Go on. Let's go There's in. a lot now, to get through. There is. Well, what I think, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through our, you know, our patrons and academics who've sent all this stuff in. And then I think we'll come back to us. We don't want to splurge all of our, our favourite presents and books up front. Totally. So we'll, we'll intersperse them intersperse them through the show today. So, uh, well, look, it's like opening Christmas presents. Do you want to open one of yours now, Mr. D? And I'll yeah. open one of mine and Absolutely. then we'll go into the guests. So yeah. so let's let's go with your the first one on your list. What do you, what okay. do you want to pick from your, your the, list? The so. first one on my list has to be the 1980s Beano album. Brilliant. The Beano yeah. Now, there's a link here, folks. We're going to try and make this as relevant as possible to a writing podcast. But <laughs> the Beano literally got me into reading. I was one of those kids that never really... I loved it when the little puffin um, flyers came around school and, and you know, you get a Megan Mog book or something like that. But <laughs> I fell in love with comics at a very young age and it was it was the highlight of my week to run down in my little school shorts before school on a Wednesday morning to, to Mr. Holidays. That was the name of the, the news agents that we had around the corner. And I would always have a Beano on order. But for me, the highlight of the year was the album. Like to get like a hardback book that would be like the equivalent of, I don't know, what, 10 comics or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was just always, I don't know, I can't explain it, but this nostalgic feeling I get when I talk about it. When I was a kid, it was such a huge event in my week. It was so exciting. Yeah. It's that childlike magic that we, we, we have and try and hold on to as adults. But for me, the Beano got me into collecting comics and I still have a ton of them. My sister just emailed me the other day saying, look, what the hell are you going to do with all this stuff? I've got literally <laughs> Beano albums in her in her garage. And I'm so sorry, because when we moved country, I didn't bring them with me. But um, so, yeah, that was my big one. What about you? Did you have a particular one? Do you want to open one of yours and anything well, kind of related to that? Just stick with the Beano annual. I mean, I, I I used to get the Beano comic. Will you remember the club, the Dennis the Menace club? I was, with I had Nash the, the Nash badge. badge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god! Um, and it was it was a great read. Weirdly, a few years ago, I was actually pitching for uh, movies. Uh, the bit basically, the Beano people were saying, "Okay, give us your pitches for movies and uh, based on any of their properties." Oh so uh, you know, we were sort of pitching a Numbskulls movie and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so it's it's Brilliant. kind of come full circle. But I, I did enjoy Beano. I did enjoy Beano for my annual. And I know we have got people talking about annuals later on as well. Um, mine was the 1986 2000 AD. Uh, annual, which featured, you know, stories with Judge Dredd and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a rogue trooper and strontium dog and stuff like that, oh. which I absolutely adored. But for me, the big story in it, there was there was a story in there um, called The Apocalypse War, mm. which is as terrifying as you'd expect because Mega City 1 was basically nuked by their equivalent in Russia. Uh, and it, it only showed you one sort of episode of the longer story. So so it ended with Mega City One being completely annihilated and then finished. What? I'm like, what the f what? <laughs> and, and I'd missed the story earlier in the year and I didn't, you know, I didn't buy back issues. So it was only a couple yeah. of years ago I was in Forbidden Planet going through the old Judge Dreads. I thought, oh here's the rest of the story. I can actually finish it. Oh, so wow. yeah, it was it was great because the thing I love most I, I really loved uh two thousand AD. I mean it was it was 
everything about it, you know, was just, I was never a big Marvel comics fan or DC. For yeah. me, it was always 2000 AD and those one, wonderful drawings and illustrations and, and just the, the sense of, you know, otherness about it. It was very British. It was very strange. And it's, it's had a huge influence on, on my writing. And I remember when yeah. we, when we did Robot Overlords at one of the Comic Cons, Pat Mills, one of the co-creators of 2000 AD, sort of introduced us and bigged up our movie. And John and I have gone nudging each other. This is great. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, it's, wow. uh, it, it means a lot to me. That really, really does. Do you think that, do you think that Partly influenced your interest in sci-fi and fantasy oh, early on. Totally, was it? Totally, yeah. yeah, yeah Isn't yeah, that yeah. interesting when you think about the comics that you read or the kind of things that you get in graphic novels as a kid? Often will kind of develop then what you end up reading and then potentially what you end up writing about. Well, we'll come to that later as well because mm. my cousin, who's in the BXP group, he's he's put a thing in later, and we'll talk about that. But this is why I have, you know, you get you used to get some when I was a bookseller, you get some parents say, I, I want him to read proper books, not comics. It's like no. Comics are proper books. Comics are their own art form, have complete value, reading material, particularly for, you know, reluctant readers or whatever, or just, you know, it's something I still read now, still love and enjoy now. They're a fantastic way of storytelling, great pictures, great language in them. I love comics. Absolutely. I do. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. So if you have a, if you're listening to this, and you're struggling because your child under the age of like 12, I guess, isn't any reading age, enough. Any age at any all. Age, any age, true. At all. But definitely, because I know parents get really concerned about when their kids yeah, aren't yeah. reading. And I know today is even more of a challenge. We talked about this before, but even more of a challenge with the competition with like 24-7 TV, on-demand streaming, and a little thing called video games and online gaming. I mean, you really have to work hard to try and engage a child in reading. So get them a comic. It, it was, you know, again, I've done it and my, my daughter's into anime. So I've started mm. buying, get, getting her some manga kind of graphic novels Brilliant. and things like that just to get her into that. And it's working. Now she's reading, she's onto the, you know, full scale, full scale novels. So it's a, it's a, Brilliant. it's a stealth tactic, folks. Do it. <laughs> it works. works. Absolutely it works. works. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive in. Let's, let's, let's take some turns, Mark. I'd like you to pick from our list of one of our um one of our listeners who's who's talked about what of their so do you go go randomly through the list and pick out oh, something randomly well mm. oh okay well i'm going to start at the top i'm going to start with Kerry omen um Kerry says i still remember my first short story collection a gift from my great aunt it was the bear who liked hugging people and other stories. Uh, and it's the unexpected presence I remember the most. The year I got a Shaken Stevens and Wham LP. Oh! Fantastic. Fantastic. Claire's a, Claire's a big shaky and Wham Stevens. fan as well. Yeah. Green door. Um, oh, my gosh. Kerry says, I think they were the first records I owned that didn't have the jukebox centre bit. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah, In the yeah. singles, you had the plastic little plastic bit, bit that came yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, and funny. this is lovely. She says, I also got a doll's house that my granddad made. I must have been four or five. He made all the furniture too, including a tiny loo roll, and the settee had the same fabric as theirs did. Whoa. He died. He died when I was six, so that's something oh. I really treasured. That is how, so lovely. How lovely! I bet. I, so I wonder if there was like leftover fabric from the actual, you know, settee that was built in the house. That or, is or, or the settee genius. has a little hole in it on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell grandma. Don't tell grandma. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Kerry, brilliant. what a brilliant story. Thank you so much. Shaking Steams. In fact, you've got me off on a whole thing here. Okay, Shaky. Mark, favourite out of single or LP or 12 inch that you received growing up? Can you remember what it would have been for Christmas? 
Yeah, well, uh, the Now compilations, now that's what oh, I call music. Yes. I think three and four were the big ones for me. Oh my and gosh. you can, uh, there are playlists on, you know, Apple yeah. Music and Spotify that have them in the same order. And of course, it's the order of them. It's the fact that this track follows that track that triggers the memory in your head. It does, because so, you listen to them so many times, you, you already hear. But also, it, you didn't realize at the time how much these were timelining history. Absolutely. Pop history. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. do they still do yeah. them? Are they still up to like oh, now? That's massive what I call. App. They have their own app and everything. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're up to, they passed 100 quite a while ago. Well, I just wondered how it worked with, of, yeah. I just wondered how it worked with streaming now because I know that, that I always remember the adverts on TV. Do you remember the adverts for yeah, the yeah, compilation yeah. albums? It was, it was, it was always, the big album. It, yeah, was, it was the big was, album, wasn't it? Yeah, but they, like I say, they've, um, I think some of the compilations are on the streaming services, but they have their own app now where you can get all the now compilations on a subscription, and oh. you know you can. Li- it's that thing, but people do people do playlists on Spotify yeah. and Apple Music, so you could they're, they're all there. You anyway. can kind of replicate it. But yeah. um, here's here's an interesting one. My very first seven inch single mm-hmm. was Shawadi Wadi. Shawadi Wadi. Oh. And do you know what I got? I, do you know what was weird? So I went full circle and I got to see them play live at the pinnacle of their career at the Notting, Nottingham University Summer Ball. Doesn't get bigger than roll. that. Folks. Rock and roll. I was 16 and my sister was graduating and she invited me along. I was a bit older actually, but yeah, so that was kind of bonkers. But yeah, the, um, the albums and the LPs, something very amazing but a bit like cds and books you kind of knew what you were getting even when they were wrapped up at least mm. you knew what yes. object you were getting because yes. a little mm, bit of a giveaway square what could that be <laughs> no I, idea um, my, my, my first album was and i i bought a replica of it and it's filed away in, in all my vinyl but it was um it was one side had the star wars soundtrack not the original soundtrack but it was done by the LPO, not the LSO. London Symphony did the soundtrack. I think the Philharmonic did this one. And the flip side was bits of Holst's Planets, uh, uh, you know, to educate a young mind. And then a a track called Stella Caprice, which was like this classical digital thing. And again, Mm. played that, you know, so... You know, I played the Star Wars music while playing with my Star Wars figures and wore that out. But I managed to find a. a, so it's a like my kids to, got me it a few years ago, actually. Yeah, it's like you had the soundtrack to the game that Absolutely. you're playing, the yep. movie yep. that yep. you yep. create. Yep. Again, I mean, you see it all connecting now. This is why we have to go back. You, I said, there you are making movies. Like, yeah. that's incredible, yeah. isn't it? it makes it brilliant stuff. Right, next, li- I'm I'm going to pick Kimberly Burke. Kim Kim said, um, my aunt and uncle loved British fiction. I know Kimberly's from the. So, um, and would always buy me and my siblings books that they had read and liked. Isn't that brilliant? My favourite books were Enid Blyton adventure series. Like, who mm. didn't? I mean that that was a that was a mainstay, wasn't it, for for us mm. Brits? But I don't know how much how well Enid Blyton was known over in the US. Actually, I, it's an mm. interesting one. And I still give and I still have them prominently displayed on my bookshelf. Enid Blyton. Uh, I was completely transported and forgot my little rural town. Uh, to go to exciting places via these books. And then for crazy, ridiculous 80s throwaway Christmas gifts, one of my favourites was Geo Safari. <laughs> Interesting. Thoughtfully gifted by my ever-educationally-focused mum. 
It was like one of the world's oldest computers that yeah. had educational games with hilarious minimal features. It's the thing, man. <laughs> My favourite setting was the outer space quiz. I uh, when this when this came in, I did look this up, and there's a YouTube video that's like half an hour long that takes you through Geo Safari, and it was I this big yellow, big yellow lump of plastic that I think you could put different cards into it, and you played different quizzes. So yeah, oh. and it was uh, and and this video says I don't know why it's called Geo Safari because it has nothing to do with geography or safari. But apparently, <laughs> the first version of it did, and it evolved, and you could do all sorts of other things quizzes but yeah it was um it was it was amazing it's uh, well, you know whilst, electronic toys you know whilst we're on the theme of computers mark there's um something uh in your list that kind of looks like a it's not really a computer but it possibly preceded the word processor do you want to tell us about that is that my first typewriter it looks like it could be yes, it is, I it have, is, yes. this is absolutely Amazing! <laughs> I've I've, ju I've just put a picture up on my social media today. So this is the oh, Petite Super International Child's Super Typewriter, which I got when I was about ten years old. And there's a there's a <laughs> I have a confession to make because I said to my parents, "I demand a typewriter for Christmas." <laughs> Being a spoiled brat that I was, <laughs> and and uh, they got me one, but it was like a child's. It wasn't a proper typewriter, and oh. I threw I threw a wobbly on Christmas Day. I'm not <laughs> Not this one, that one. So they they took the the wrong one back and got me this. Oh, no, really? What a, what a oh, brat! Oh, yeah. Smack your bum. <laughs> exactly. I tell you, <laughs> but it was. I tell you what, it was a proper typewriter. It used ribbons, you know. Yeah, it was such a faff. Anyone anyone who gets nostalgic about typewriters, honestly, just try and use one to write something. But you know that yeah. that whole. So what you the the picture you're looking at there that 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 bit in the back is the lid. So the lid used to fold over it and used to right. be you you could carry it around. Be a man about town with your little typewriter. Well, a, a super international man about town. Super international. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what, what makes it super international. Maybe it's the carry hat handle. You know, I'd you love could look could... in that marketing meeting. So we got the petite super yes. international. Oh my god! Petite, petite was a you know the the it, they did lots of typewriters for kids and and young people. So, but wow. yeah, that's it's it's how I learned. You know, started learning to type on that. Then my dad got a fire damaged BBCB computer, and that was a bit easier. But yeah, the whole thing of tapping away at the keys, all the spelling mistakes you can throw your you know your hat at, uh, and then. And the ribbon running out after about 10 pages and having to go to the stationers oh. and get a new ribbon. And then you got the black ink all over your bloody fingers and the ribbon won't yes, line up properly. that's right, the black ink. Don't miss any of that whatsoever. But yeah, that was my first typewriter. Okay, so the next time anyone's computer has a blue screen, <laughs> the thing doesn't install quite right. Just remember the good old days of typing. It does, it, you know, there's so much to be grateful for in terms of what we have. That is absolutely brilliant, Mark. My dad had an old black typewriter. It was a proper one. And right. I remember just being fascinated by it. Just like, you just do stupid things. Like you put a bit of paper and you just whack the keys and, and see how many times you could hit the letter, you know, A or whatever. And, and it, but it was something about, I mean, talk about RSI. I can't even begin to imagine like the amount of strength that you would need yeah. to actually work a, to work a typewriter absolutely bonkers and mm. to people out there that probably still use them i bet you there are some people that i was actually reading a book this morning um linwood bark uh, barclay's um no no time no time to say goodbye something like that um <laughs> <laughs> i'm just starting it but in it he talks about how he 
he uses a type one of the characters still uses a typewriter because of the nostalgia it gives him and actually it was quicker than him firing up his computer and loading up word and he just needed to type a note for his uh <laughs> anyway <laughs> excellent stuff all right do you want to pick another one from the list mr stay okay let's have a looky look let's go with jackie kirkham so this is a short one it's a bit of a so thing jackie here, says it? jackie says it was Enid Blyton books, probably more than any others that really got me loving reading as a child. I love the adventure books too and the famous five, although I've always found the secret seven boring. So yes, Interesting. I, I, I remember. And then and then following on from that, um, Jan Carr says, the blue Peter annual and my best childhood present was a tin of Karen Dash felt pens. I still have the orange one, and it still works over 50 years later. Now, if, That's like me, you were, you were a doodler, the brand Karen Dash, had, they, were, they were the business, and they still are. They're still really good pens and pencils. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, uh, yeah, good, good choice. They're proper posh pencils, those. I, I like those. Excellent stuff. Ah, now talking on the theme of, of favorite books, uh, Jackie Kirkham says, I'm collecting Asterix books, although oh. I can never remember which ones I've got when I actually find any. So probably have multiples. Asterix was definitely a big thing growing up, wasn't it? That, that was, again, talking about kind of, I mean, it was really a, a graphic novel more than a comic, I guess, do you think? Or Well, let's, uh, if we go to the, uh, my cousin wrote in and he said, anything by Raymond Briggs, and that includes the stuff that caused my ch adulthood anxiety, um, including When the Wind Blows, which I've just got on Blu-ray actually for my sins. Mm. Uh, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, he says, Tintin and Asterix 2, after some douchebag borrowed my copies, <laughs> thankfully a good friend was able to restore my Asterix collection. Collection. Uh, the Tintin collection, I'm building it back up. Uh, and I, I, Chris is my cousin, and I used to go over for the summer, and me and him and my other cousin Nick, we'd sit and read Asterix and Tintin all day. Basically, Brilliant. it was uh, it was uh, and Great Asterix. Days. I've I learned Latin from Asterix. You know, I learned about yes. ancient history from Asterix. Uh, you know, probably a uh, few French words thrown in. Yeah, absolutely. I learned about you know the the ancient the ancient gods, you know, uh, uh, battles like you know the defeat of Vercingetorix and stuff like that. So it's all uh, which weirdly um, gets a mention in a short story I've been working on. So, you oh, know, how again, random. all this stuff informs who you are. And, yeah, and it does. Asterix, Asterix. I mean, you know, I've said before the key for Asterix in the UK were the translations by uh, Anthea Bell and Derek Hockridge, which put in all kinds of lovely puns and jokes. Uh, that only the Brits would understand that weren't in the French originals. And I think the lovely thing about Goscinny and Uderzo is they said to the people translating it, you know, put your own jokes in, make it relevant to your own culture. Um, and is another weird thing. When I was working at Orion, we got the rights to the Asterix books and I went on a business trip to Paris to meet the uh, families of Goscinny and Uderzo to talk about merchandising stuff in the oh, UK. Wow. And the boardroom there... As all the chairs are like the stone chairs that they have in the in the Gaulish village, Brilliant. so they're they got made of plastic, I think, or acrylic. But it look, and the table looked like a big slab of stone. It was absolutely oh, brilliant real fantastic you know, joy yeah oh my gosh that sounds amazing and chris actually goes on to mention as well favorite toy was my commodore amiga in right. 1987 my parents <laughs> my parents broke the bank for it but i'd never have got into computers otherwise now there's definitely a theme for us 80s and 90s kids um computers like you know 
that those were the days where all the home computers were just kicking off. Well, um, I can, I can actually, on my on, list, I can see one on your list. Tell yeah, us about on yours. My list is the, anyone who's ever had a computer with rubber keys knows what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, folks. The ZX Spectrum. I got that one Christmas. Um, it was more of a family gift because it was such a big thing at the time. Yeah. Just literally, it was Christmas it came out. Clive Sinclair um, had created what was basically the first affordable home yeah. computer. And it was, I believe it was 16 or 32K. And so just to kind of put that into perspective for our <laughs> non-techie folks, when you think about a megabyte today, which is like one fifth of an MP3 file, or maybe, you know, a, a chunky, uh, you know, I mean, not even a second on a video. Um, this was like 32K with an expansion pack that you could get mm. up to 48K. I think the ZX80 preceded ZX80, the ZX80, that was, Spectrum. That was that 16K, was the, wasn't it? 16K. I, I, yeah, utterly yeah. mind-blowing. Like, how do you even comprehend today when we talk about, hey, here's two free, you know, two gig of free space on whatever, Dropbox, Google, uh, or send you Wii transfer files. And, and we were playing with a computer that could basically deal with, like, 48K at its, at its kind of prime. Utterly mind-blowing. But what they managed to create on them, I don't know how they did it, but... I remember getting Space Invaders one Christmas, um, Hungry Horace, and I, which is like a version of Pac-Man, and um, playing them until I literally, uh, you know, was having very strange dreams at night. Yeah, it's when you see them in your sleep, you know, you've been playing. Oh too my long, gosh, yeah, utterly bonkers! Did you get yeah. a Did you get a computer for Christmas, Mark? Was that something that kind of happened separately? No, we we never had. Um, like I say, my dad, my dad was a football referee. And he became secretary of the local refs association. And because of that, he had to do a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Muggins here became his personal secretary. So he would hand write the newsletter and I would type it up for him. Again, you know, it, all typing skills. It really honed my typing skills. But yeah. uh, it was a fire damaged BBCB computer. Whoever had it before, the previous secretary, they'd had a fire in their house and they're, you know, soot had got, they said, oh, there's soot on it or something. And we didn't know how to repair it or anything. We just knew that it worked 90% of the time. And you'd be Mm. typing or playing a game and suddenly you get these blocks appear on the screen and you go, oh, no, and you go, bang, and then the screen would clear and then you'd be okay again, which lasted so long. But we had, uh, so it was a BBC B, so I had a pretty good memory and we had a proper floppy disk drive as well and we had loads of games. They gave us loads of games, which, you know, was was great fun. So, um, so yeah, we, we... um, we kind of got a computer by accident and uh yeah it was it, that's how i learned to type and i started writing stories on those yeah uh, you know which were rubbish but it was you know first step on the road to where i am now so yeah, you know, yeah. it all starts somewhere right absolutely <laughs> brilliant stuff let's um let's jump in with angela nurse she sent us a really interesting one she said when i was five i got a toy basset hound that was lying in a lying down position and about as long as her. (laughs) I'd seen him in the shop when I was out with my dad. I later found out that all my Christmas shopping had been done by my dad, um, but had been done, but my dad got it for me anyway. Dads are great like that sometimes, aren't they? Especially with their daughters, little softies. Um, (laughs) His name is Patch. And he traveled back and forth from Fife to Penzance for, uh, for school for six years <laughs> and still sits on a chair in my bedroom. Wow. And then she says, books wise, I remember getting Agatha Christie books when she was 13 and feeling like a proper grown up. Nice. Yeah. Murder. Books were murdering them. You're, they, <laughs> no one got murdered in the famous five, did they? You know, no. so it's, you got proper, 
proper murders in the Agatha Christie. Yeah, fantastic. Wonderful. Go on then, Mr. Say, pick another one off the list. Right. Tom Foot. Uh, Tom says, I associate Christmas with telling stories, particularly those that are magical or ghostly. My first house was reputedly haunted Tudor cottage called, imaginatively, Tudor Cottage. So we would gather around the huge central fireplace to be regaled, particularly by my older half-sister, who always brought an inexhaustible supply of creepy tales to family festivities. Beyond that and bible stuff, Christmas Carol is always a big hit, along with, don't judge me, my most prized gift of the complete Flower Fairies poems. Tom, no judgment here. We've told you we don't judge people on their reading reading material. Whatever brings you joy and happiness. So, yeah, fantastic. Brilliant stuff. Jackie Kirkham said annuals, especially Beano Al- Al- annuals. Here we go. Yep, yep, yep. But, but she then says, one of my 21st century bugbears is that these days <laughs> annuals are a total ripoff and they're only a third of the thickness. Those things would keep me occupied for hours when I was younger. But today you could read them cover to cover in no time at all. And they were just not the experience they were. Bar humbug, says Jackie. <laughs> but it also, this Jackie, is... might be something to do with you not being eight anymore. <laughs> I'm going to look back at them and well, think, this... why did I, what did I see in these? They're like, I mean, this is the thing. You talk about the quality street tins, uh, you know, they're getting smaller. They're, they're, you know, they don't have as many sweets in them as they as they did before. You know, so we, there is... Yeah, I, the I, I did, of you, you sit there and you think, hang on, is that just a perception of being a grumpy old person thinking that the olden days were better? But actually, it's true. It's they, true. You know, no, you don't is. get it's as a, many chocolates. It's and, a yeah, classic... Annuals are shorter. Yeah, and it's a classic thing they do in, in, the, in the world of commerce because... Ultimately, it's it's a kind of an illusionary thing. If you do like look at say chocolate bar today, and you put it against a chocolate bar of like twenty years ago, it, it you know they're completely completely different products. Yeah. But it's all about you know make the packaging bigger, but make what's inside it smaller. Ultimately, but uh, yeah. very very interesting. Um, pick another one, Mister Stave. Okay, let's uh, go with Rachel. Rachel Howes. Rachel says, when I was a sprog, the classic Bunty annual was always exciting. I remember getting the books Heidi and the Secret Garden one Christmas. Classics. Classics, yeah. yeah. Uh, Must have been about six. If I see a copy of either of them when I'm in a secondhand bookshop, I usually grab a copy. I don't know why, but I know I won't stop. (laughs) Uh, I adored my Ladybird Well-Loved Tales books too. Uh, I've also begun collecting the originals of these which I have umpteen. I never remember which ones when I'm out. Note yourself, take a picture of said collection. I mean, the well-loved tales, the illustrations on those, the sort of classic editions of those are absolutely gorgeous. I follow an Instagram account. I've forgotten what, it, uh, well, forgotten what it's called, but they they have sort of daily images, paintings of um, those Ladybird well-loved tales, and they're absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, there's some Great, great nostalgia there, Rachel. And of course, the Ladybird books were then bought out more recently in a kind of an. Was it Ladybird where they did the kind of adult form? Yeah, the adult ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah which again which, did very well. Which started off an entire. Well, it felt like it started off an entire new thing at Christmas, which is who could actually create the most outrageous kids' books for adults. And Mr. Stay, I believe, and I'm just scanning my phone for it, I believe I found it the other day. Um, It's the number five top-selling children's book of this year, but it's been written um, so that adults can have a bit of a chuckle because all of the stuff that's actually very inappropriate goes in theory mm. over the kid's head. In and I theory, want to show yeah. you the front cover of it. It's called um, 
hookers and blow save Christmas. <laughs> and it's it's two. There you go. You can see it there. It's two trucks. One's called Hooker, and it's, it's a, a pickup, pickup truck, truck that helps yep. people yep. get out of the snow when they get stuck. And Blow is the snowplow that helps to blow the snow away. So Hookers and Blow yes. save Christmas. I shouldn't be promoting it because he's probably already sold a million copies of it. But I, when I saw that, it did make me laugh. It did make me laugh. Um, it reminded me of the other one about trying to get your kids to go to sleep. Uh, and you probably know what that one is as well. Um, yeah. But let's move on. Let's move on. And that that kind of actually the whole Ladybird book stuff. They had that lots of kind of early books. I can't really remember what I got when I was like really really young, you know, three four. Um, but definitely remember getting things like uh, Ina Blyton books. And my sister was big into Ina Blyton. And actually, just referring quickly back to um, one of our earlier quotes, comments about. Um, the snowman. We haven't talked about the snowman. Raymond Briggs. That's right. Chris said uh, anything by Raymond Briggs. That was a tradition in our house on Christmas Eve. We would always put the snowman on and we started it again because I realized over in Canada, people haven't seen or even heard of the snowman. It's Have very you got British. The, uh, do you remember when it first came on? They had an introduction from David Valley. I'm introducing oh. the snowman. Yeah. Oh, yeah I don't the original, remember that. Yeah. You've got, wow. got to look that up. Look that up on YouTube because he, he does an introduction about the snowman for some reason on Christmas Day. Uh, that's my David Bowie impersonation. It's very good. Apologies. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but that, that always gets me. doesn't matter how old I get whenever I watch a snowman. always brings a little bit. Well, it's a hugely nostalgic thing to watch. If you haven't seen it, find it on somewhere. We're walking in the air. It's such a... It's such a it's, but it's how it. No spoilers, but it's how it ends. It's like what? Yeah, yeah but it's, Ray, it's Raymond. Bri it's Raymond Briggs, and yeah. that's what Chris was talking about traumatizing people because Raymond but, Briggs did wonderful stuff like uh, the Snowman and, and Fungus the Bogeyman. But he and also Father did Christmas as well. Do you remember Father Christmas? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he also did Unlucky Wally, which is adults only, which is one of the most tragic picture books you will ever really? read. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, oh and um, and of course he did When the Wind Blows, which was about an elderly couple. Um, who get their Protect and Survive leaflet as nuclear war breaks out. So they follow the instructions in the Protect and Survive leaflet. And, spoiler alert, they die. <laughs> and, and it was made into an animated movie. Oh and, of course, people gosh. watched it because it was Raymond. Oh, is this, is this like the snowman? And it was oh, like, no. no, no, it really, really isn't. It's got, yeah, again, David so Bowie's can, song and so um, Roger Waters' soundtrack. Then. You can oh, yeah. hop. And you can break all the rules, as Raymond did. I mean, amazing stuff. Um Richard Bat Brewster. Okay, you're giving us a list of three go. different things. Toys, buckets of Lego. Of course. Yes, yes. I can't believe it's taken this long to get Lego onto the podcast. Buy the bucket. And Star Wars figures, of course, including the Death Star and Millennium Falcon. Oh. You lucky, lucky man. Yeah. Books. Okay, now. Now Here we're we talking. You ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> Drum roll. Books. Choose your own adventure and fighting fantasy. They have made an appearance on our show quite a few they times, haven't they, Mark? Because yep. they were both... We realized that was one of our favorite growing up fighting fantasy books. Oh my gosh. They came, you had to get a dice and you had to get a pencil because you had that, you had that chart at the front of the book where you'd, you'd like put in your, you know, your endurance and your strength. And when you'd yeah. fight the troll or whatever you'd bump into because you turned east instead of west. And I always remember like trying to find them secondhand and it would be a delight, an absolute delight. The first thing I'd do, didn't matter what condition the book was in, I'd flick to that page where you'd have to write yeah. the scores down. And if it was completely annihilated, I'd be like, oh, I can't, I can't get it. Yeah. Can't get it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, great days. What was well, your favourite I... fighting fancy book? Do you, do you remember? Oh, blimey. 
I mean, they all There's blur into one, don't they? Yeah, they I do. Mean, East, west, war- north, or south, basically. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's just one continuation through war- the, through the jungle. Warlock on warlock on fire no, top the, the mountain. Warlock, or the warlock on fire top mountain. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then the, the thing, death trap th- dungeon. Death trap dungeon. Yeah. The thing I remember is is me and dad would do them. It was something that me and dad would do, and it was nice oh. to have that little connection. That's you know, lovely. The, the two of us doing city of thieves. Yeah. Brilliant days. And then and then the last one on the list, uh, Richard says best was various computers. Here we go. C listen to this list. C sixteen, C sixty four. They came came with such inventive names, didn't they? Back in (laughs) (laughs) Amiga five hundred, that's a bit more like it. And the PC three eight six, which sounds like one of the very early PCs. Oh, love it. Absolutely love it. Go on, Mark. Yeah. Dive in. What well, else have we got? We've got a ton well, more look, to look, While we're talking about Star Wars, uh, and uh, I've got, I'm going to go back to my list because Star Wars, as we all know, was huge in my life. And um, I desperately wanted a Millennium Falcon or a Death Star. Never got them. I'm not bitter. Uh, I'm not bitter at all. Uh, I did get the Cantina and Jawa playsets, which were bits of molded plastic with a cardboard background. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm looking at the picture, Mark. Can we put these on our uh, on the show notes for people to see? Maybe we'll put them on the social media. But looking at it, I thought you were about to say you got the Star Wars nativity scene. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it does. It looks. It? I'm yeah. like, where's baby Jesus? Where's it's baby R- Jesus? R5 um, D5. Instead. Where's Yoda? I mean, it's it's really interesting. It is. Yeah, I can see it. It actually looks high quality with that kind of pl- that cardboard background. Yeah, but everyone's yeah. there. You got CP3O. Uh, you got Luke. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry. You see, I can. <laughs> oh, who's the guy on the right, though? That's Obi Wan Kenobi. Is that Obi Wan? He's looking very yeah, young. Yeah, with there, his with his he? with his plastic cape. Yeah, he's looking yeah. very young. I mean, I used to, I, I used to, you know, get the figure. The figures were like a pound then, or one pound fifty, and we'd, I would get, I would get money for you know Christmas or birthday, and we'd go to the Brent Cross Shopping Centre, which was the place that. Had as had them all, you know, and uh, and blow all my money there. And I did get an X-wing, which was amazing. Um, so Very yeah, nice. I I did always want the Death Star, but I've you know, as an adult, I look at it and see that it's basically two bits of cardboard and think, yeah, I can see why my pa- the American Death Star was much better. I'm talking about the Palatoy British Death Star. The American Death Star was actually a bit more interesting, but the Palatoy British one was basically a plastic circle with two bits of cardboard, and that was it. And I can appreciate why my parents thought, I'm not getting that crap for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mate. You are such a Star Wars geek. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking of figurines, though, let's jump to Ian Sainsbury's because Ian Sainsbury's has got something that's on my list. Oh, Ian- yes. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. Big, big, big drum roll. And I think people around the world are going to rejoice when they hear these words mm. come out of my mouth. Evil Knievel wind up bike thingy. <laughs> <laughs> Right, terrorizing the cat. I remember off the top of the stairs. If you didn't have, like, if you if if you had that and your house had wooden floors, utter genius. <laughs> I had the carpet, uh, and and poor old Evil can evil. He wouldn't even be able to get over one double decker bus because he'd always no. kind of get stuck somewhere. But I do remember that, and it was the most bizarre toy I think that ever was invented. But it was huge, wasn't it? I remember it being like like everyone had one almost. Uh, absolutely. And he's, you know, crash in a mangled heap. And he had this bendy body with wires in them. So you, That's know, you, right. could, 
Which kind of was kind of crazy because based on what was actually happening in his real life, the amount of, I remember Evil Knievel had such, so many massive wipeouts and, but (laughs) it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool to have the actual, to have the actual kind of uh, wind up figurine toy. And there were lots that kind of followed it, but there was never anything quite as magical as Evil Knievel. Well, they did, they did reissue it um, years later and uh, I got one. Uh, and it was from a company called Firebox, and they had a competition saying, if you do a video with one of our toys, we'll feature on our website. And I did a I did a video of Evil Knievel, uh, which I edited together, of um, of of him crashing off our stairs. And, yeah, it won that month's prize. I got some vouchers for that. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Ian also <laughs> says that he also got a bloody awful Janet Fraser skateboard and, and the yeah, Gormgast... The Gormenghast trilogy, which I remember was made into a BBC series, because I remember we had yeah. that yeah. set as well. Um, and then Rachel uh, has the best post of the day, I think, in response to Ian. She says, "Wow, Ian, you really surprised me. I thought your favourite would have been the stick and hoop. You just, <laughs> you just when really you think you know somebody." So congratulations, Rachel, for, for the best troll comment. Uh, that was absolutely brilliant. But then, Mark, then we see a yet another another appearance from Andrew Chapman. Andrew Chapman, Chapman. yeah. His favourite book, The Beano Annual. Beano Album. He says, says, I still have a stack of them somewhere. My folks never really got me books. We were more likely to get toolkits and pen knives. Dad was a carpenter. And uh, his most exciting toy was the Ghostbusters Fire Station. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. sounds amazing. Yeah, The Beano Annual again. Rosemary Dew says that her favourite toys were anything My Little Pony related. And, and I remember reading the one, 101 Dimensions one Christmas. It was my favorite children's book. And as an adult, I like to reread The Armourer's House by Rosemary Sutcliffe about a Tudor family. Description of their Christmas is lovely and very vivid. I have my mum's old copy from when oh. she was a child. Isn't that lovely? It's currently out of print, but apparently it's being pre-printed next year. So wow. that's incredible. Um, again, talking about how books certain types of books that are either given to you by parents or by yeah. relatives have they have an extra special place in mm. your heart and how so many people have carried them on you know maybe carried on that tradition of passing them on to their um their own children or just like treasuring the copy that they have as as something as a special gift and i, I love that and that's again the power of a, a brilliant book Fantastic. Shell Shell Vest says, I was very much a child of the America 80s. It was like a new doll every year. Strawberry shortcake, rainbow bright, Care Bears, Cabbage Patch doll. Then I'll have my speak and spell and puzzles. And we had an original Atari. For books one year, I got this beautiful illustrated hardback of Little Women. It's still one of my favourites. And once the family knew I was into Stephen King, I got lots of King hardbacks for Christmas and birthdays. Ooh, I hope they're first edition, Shell. Hang on to those. Wow, yeah. that's brilliant. Um, I mean, the- says, I've got a well, it's just the American 80s. I mean, my oh, sister, yeah. massive Care Bears fan. I remember, you know, we had to struggle to find the right Care Bear because if you've got the wrong Care Bear, it was trouble. And we did get her a Cabbage Patch doll as well, which was called, his name was Jerry Dominic, I think, because they come with a little birth certificate. Uh, and do. each one was individual. So, yeah, she was. Can I, can I, can I tell you a secret, Mark? Yeah. Cabbage Patch dolls, absolutely. Yeah freak me out <laughs> oh no i couldn't yeah i you know you look at like chucky and all these horror movies that he made out <laughs> when i look at those things they they look they look like they should be in 
horror movies. That's just don't my own take. I mean, obviously, no, but no, you're they right. Were that... So they were so popular, weren't they? Cabbage and... Patch Dolls and Teddy Ruxpin. Did you ever come across the phenomenon of Teddy Ruxpin, no. which was this uh, Teddy that was battery operated and it had a cassette in its back? Oh, and yes. it would sort of it was supposed to speak to you and it would respond. To and of course, when the batteries ran out, I'm your friend. Just <laughs> <laughs> something completely out of, a, out of a horror movie. Oh my gosh! And then the tape would get all mangled and come out yeah, of yeah, after something, right? Yeah, <laughs> nightmares. Oh my gosh, nightmares. Um, Lynn says so many books she loved as a child. Enid Blyton again, uh, the Faraway Tree. They're they're mm. still popular actually. And the Moomins. Who can the forget Moomins. the Moomins? Haven't they redone the Moomins as a they TV have. show? And yeah. do, do you remember? Do you remember um, Mark Huckabee and Nick Osler who were on the yes. podcast? Uh, they write on the Moomins. They write on series. the Moomins. Who yeah, knew? Yeah, yeah. Goodness me. And then Lynn also says what Katie did and did next. Mm. Heidi Anna Green Gables. That. I mean, in Canada, if you don't yeah, have Anna huge. Green Gables on your bookshelf, you aren't officially Canadian. Um, <laughs> they do. They'll kick you out of the country. Um, I know she remembers a story about Helen Keller that she loved. Um, right. And every year when she was around seven, her godmother gave her a hardback book. Isn't that lovely, godmother? Brilliant. And mostly it was the twins at St. Clair's, which is a favourite of all. But remember one year it was Heidi with illustrated quarter-bound covers. And the best Beautiful. year of all, when she was 10... A children's illustrated encyclopedia. Now, yeah. that's something we've lost in this world of, of online, right? Do you remember the yeah, old, big yeah, old encyclopedias yeah, yeah, and in books? Yeah. My my parents had a whole, you know, they obviously got done by the, the salesman that came around. Like <laughs> 20, 20 massive a to Z, like literally A was, that was the, uh, like... Encyclopedia Britannica, was that? It was. It was the yeah, red yeah. red covers. And I remember them falling apart because I used to pull mm. them out and I'd just, I'd just flick them open and randomly... It was the equivalent of doing a, a random Google's whack or a Google search, yeah. wasn't it? Well, well I, I used to get... Maybe every year I used to get like an illustrated encyclopedia or, or whatever. And it was, you know... I, and of course, the Guinness Book of Records, let's not forget that, oh, which is course. still going. That's still going, um, yeah. You know, and you'd open that just at a random page and discover something amazing. And, you know, they're, they, uh, they're absolutely brilliant gift. Really, really great gift because it just packs your... It, it expands your horizon, packs your mind with amazing facts, expands your horizons. They're, they're terrific books. I love they them. They are brilliant. Now, being two, two middle-aged blokes, obviously there might be some females listening thinking oh, this is not very representative of so i think we need to move on to mm. what is known as the cindy conversation line. well yes know? wendy wendy coth wendy coth who's spotlight in one of our previous episodes uh she says my dad worked for a famous stationery brand and every year we bring uh home stacks of pristine notebooks i love the covers and remember the thrill of the blank pages i still have some of those books and uh i started writing stories and but also massive thanks to my favorite doll Cindy. I can make up stories for her and her friends to act out, so I suppose she was my first character invention. The things she got up to. Then Angela chipped in. Angela says, Cindy was fab, wasn't she? Wendy says, sure was. Jackie said, I had Cindy too. Tons better than Barbie. Rebecca says, oh yes, love Cindy. She even starred in one of my first fan fictions at the ripe old age of seven. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn says, I had a Tressie. You remember the one you can make her hair grow, except it got tangled, so I cut it all off. Always wanted a Cindy. Now, Claire, Claire Claire is a big Cindy fan as well. And it was very much the Cindy was the alternative for British girls, mostly girls. I expect a few boys had them uh, yeah. for British girls who, uh, you know, thought Barbie 
was, you know, just maybe too American or just too weird with those incredibly long legs. Mm. Uh, so, and Cindy was a bit more rounded as well. She wasn't like stick thin. She had mm. curves and, uh, Cindy just felt maybe a bit more relatable. And I did some, I did some looking up on this. I was looking up the whole story of Cindy and, um, you know, cause she, she kind of lost in the doll wars, uh, in doll the Barbie, wars. you know, it was just, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, doll wars in a Barbie was just absolutely ubiquitous and everywhere. And she went out of business, but Cindy is back. Cindy is back. Oh There's gosh. a whole website and everything. So do check out Cindy. But oh. Barbie, if you, um, there's a series on uh, Netflix called The Toys That Made Us, and there's a oh, whole yes. episode about Barbie. Barbie. And do check it out because it's so weird because it started, there was a, a, as a German doll, and it was a doll that men would give to women whom they fancied. And they'd say, here's a doll, will you come out with me for dinner? And oh the doll looked a lot like Barbie, but had nipples on her boobs, which Barbie <laughs> doesn't have. Uh, and, and the, and the woman who kind of, the woman who essentially invented Barbie in the, in the States saw this doll, took it back to America and said, we can do something with this as a fashion doll. Take the nipples off uh, <laughs> and take away the creepy man gift giving thing. Uh, and, <laughs> And a legend was born. It is absolutely wow. fascinating. The whole Barbie history is really, really fascinating. But but Cindy, yeah, big big thumbs up for Cindy. She was uh, she was she was the uh, the big alternative here. In the I UK. tell you what, folks, the things you learn on this podcast. I bet you didn't realize. I now know what the title of this podcast is going to be. That's awesome. Um, let's move on. We referenced this earlier, but here we are. Natalie Perry says, "My mum used to put out a bowl of quality street." around the house nice. at Christmas. And I would always ask for a book each year that I'd chosen after a trip to London. Oh, how brilliant is that? Trip to London, picking out a book. Partway <laughs> through the day, I would steal one of the bowls of Quality Street and find a quiet place to sit, didn't we all? Like, oh. it was, where could you hide the wrappers? Um, and would find a quiet place in the house to sit and read my book and eat more chocolate than any young person really brilliant. should. It brilliant. was my own little Christmas ritual. I loved it. Uh, you know, and, and trying to get, you know, obviously pick out that, the, the round, the round flat toffee one, trying to pick that out from the teeth. <laughs> spent the rest of the day. Um, she said, Christmas and books and reading are so linked in my head. I always thought I was hiding, but my mum and dad being very encouraging readers, um, as I realise now, were probably giving me time to myself. So that's a brilliant story. And again, how it all ties in again with books, books and chocolate and a little nook somewhere tucked away, reading and disappearing off into an adventure world. This, folks, is what you create when you write books. Absolutely brilliant. Love it, mm, love it, love yeah, it. That's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Do you want to go back to one one from your list, Mr. Yeah, let's D? pick one off my list. Um, I've got quite... Uh, I, I mean, from a computer side, there was this thing called Astro Wars. Yes! I had Astro that? Wars. Did you have I it? Did. I, I loved did. it. Brilliant. I played that so much. It's mm. basically, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's like it was a little kind of mini console and it was kind of like a version of Space Invaders, and it made yeah. lots of bleepy noises, but it had a little joystick, like a tiny, yeah. slightly bigger than a matchstick, and a big button that you hit to, to fire. And I just loved that. I played it was, that It was like having death. an arcade game in your home. It was. It was like yeah. the next best thing, wasn't it? And, um, and it was and kind of the first one of its kind of kind, I think, as well. Where importantly, can... it had a... AC adapter because if it ran on batteries, any this is what this is what kids today, this is what kids today don't realise they're born. Anything back in the eighties that ran on batteries, first of all, batteries cost twice as much and lasted half as long. Yeah. So you put that in, and by lunchtime, it's gone, finished. So, to the cheer yeah. of parents everywhere driving their car to grandma's, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, absolutely. The other thing that I got, and this was my my mum and dad was so cheeky. They couldn't go through Christmas without without giving me doing a prank on me. And I remember um, one Christmas, I think I was about six or seven. I remember we got to that end of the unwrapping of presents and we had what we known as the stack. Everyone knows what that is, right? Your stack. And I looked across at my sister, who was two years older than me, and her stack was literally three to four times larger than mine, which in my world meant that I'd obviously done something wrong or my sister was a favourite. And I was I was in that really weird kid-like space of trying to be really grateful and happy about all the lovely things I got, but feeling desperately sad that like my sister got like loads more than I did, like properly big presents. And my dad said to me, Mark, he said, can you go into the, pop out to the car? I've got some bin liners in the boot of the car. Um, that's a trunk for our North American listeners. Um, I get, grab some bin liners for the Christmas wrapping paper. We're going to have to tidy up. And so he sent me out there and I was like, oh. so I slunk <laughs> off outside, popped open the boot. And there, filling the entire boot was a race and chase set. A, a, a Basically a, a kind of a cops and robbers car chase set, like a Scalectrics, basically. Wow. The most, and it was the thing I most wanted and they, and, and they got it for me. And I'll never forget that. Firstly, the trauma they put me through, but then the joy, <laughs> the joy of finding that toy in the in the back of the car um, and it had a little jumping ramp and everything. If anyone ever had one of those, they were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. fantastic. Race fantastic. and chase. Race and chase. <laughs> brilliant. So um, we're coming towards the end of the show, folks, but let's have a quick dive in with um, Laura Shepard, who said, I love books, Animal Farm books. Remember the Animal Farm series, Mark? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. huge, huge. I think very, very big in North America as well. Harry Potter. Oh, slightly younger listener like that. Uh, <laughs> anything and everything. <laughs> Narnia Middle Earth. Presents she'll never forget. Science kit that made crystals. We all had one of those at some point, didn't we? Um, <laughs> and a pottery wheel. That's something you don't often hear. A pottery so, wheel. Yeah. Maybe inspired by... Uh, parents had seen ghost or something like that um <laughs> not, and a not mosaic kit yeah and a mosaic kit my poor parents that is quite the random selection laura that's absolutely fantastic and mark right. robin what did robin get for christmas robin said when i was little lego books and horses now i i'm i'm sure they weren't real horses maybe they were i don't know but uh, robin says as i got whole as I got older, more books, less Lego, still horses. Once I hit university, books and stationery, I got a Palomino Barbie horse one year. Uh, my dad told me to name him Flicker from the book. So my horse was Flicker, which I thought was perfect because he had gold flecks in his long mane and tail. Years later, I found and read the book My Friend Flicker, and I realised that it was who my dad meant all along, Flicker. Not flicker, and that is the story of how I learned my dad had a New Zealand accent. Lovely, brilliant. <laughs> and then to wrap things up, two things. Lynn Clark, she mentions two words that I haven't heard in years. Yeah. So thank you, Lynn. The words are fuzzy felt. Fuzzy. Who felt. can forget fuzzy felt? And Mark, we've left the best to last because I want I want you to announce a Julian Barr's picture could being what? being a fan. Just just pause on fuzzy felt because fuzzy felt okay. again. These these stories have an amazing background because it, it basically came out of the, the Second World War um, because uh, the people who invented Fuzzy Felt, they used to make gaskets for tanks, okay? Uh, uh, and uh, they discovered they had all this leftover felt and they made little shapes out of them and they gave them to local no children. Way. 
and that's how a legend was born. Oh my but yeah, gosh. I, I remember Fuzzy Felt. It's um, Fuzzy absolutely Felt. brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. And to, to end to end up with, let's let's dive into Julian Barr before we finish up with our presents. Julian Barr, what did he what was his favorite present as a kid? It's the best present I ever got as a kid, and it's an AMT Ertl USS Enterprise Command Bridge model kit. So, you know, Star this Trek. is this is the bridge of bridge of the Enterprise that you put together with glue. Now, were you any good with sort of Ertl or Airfix or any of that stuff because basically I just ended up with a massive pile of glue. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> I didn't I didn't have the patience for it. I did love puzzles. I mean we have to mention Christmas puzzles obviously, but yeah, kits was not a big my dad my dad loved to build model aircraft, so that that was his thing. But they were slightly bigger than the, the tiny kits that you have to put together. But um I think anyone with dogs or cats, it was just a no-go, wasn't it? Because if you left it out for the night, you'd wake up in the morning and be like, My model smashed <laughs> <laughs> brilliant stuff oh my goodness well and what's left on your list mark have you got anything left on your list i see something uh yeah well oh, let's wow. let's talk about can we do jeff white's one i know it's a long one but i'll whisk oh, through yeah, it yeah. i want i want to go through jeff because um jeff white says uh he says the very best christmas present i ever received was the year i got an off-road motorbike uh my dad and i were mad for motorbikes uh we spent one christmas down at my aunt's farm uh sitting around the open fire all the presents had been opened then my mum said oh look there's one more under the tree i think it's got your name in it jeff there was a little red cardboard box square and a bit bigger than a matchbox that had gone overlooked in the frenzy of wrapping paper description i fetched it out and it did indeed have my name on it i opened it and inside on a little le- leather key ring was a pair of keys with the yamaha written on them oh i didn't gosh. quite get it i couldn't quite bring myself to believe what it might represent the keys must fit something let's have a look and see if we can find it out i traipsed eyes wider sources and there in an outbuilding under a dust sheet was the most beautiful thing i'd ever seen a yamaha ty125 trials bike old but in very good condition my brother was pissed off he got a watch uh, so- <laughs> But yeah, like me, the race and chase set. <laughs> but talking about, story. I mean, the classic present for Christmas was the bike. And um, for me, I see you've got a racer on yours. I do, uh, a Rally yeah. Racer. Yeah, rally was, Racer. Rally was the brand, wasn't rally it? Rally was the brand, I mean, yeah. for races, it was either Rally or, or Peugeot. Um, yeah. But I got a Rally Burner BMX. which <gasps> You're a BMXer? Yeah, with, with oh. the mag wheels, of course. Oh, of course. Uh, which I got one Christmas when I was horribly sick. I was over the moon to get it. It was a rally burner in white with a black trim. Uh, I was horribly sick, but I, I was determined to ride it. So I went, and this is when my parents were caretakers of a school. So I went out into the playground with my bike. Pedal, pedal, pedal. Bleh! Pedal, pedal, oh, pedal. No. <laughs> Puking as I went. Of course. Best Christmas ever. But that rally burner was an absolutely brilliant bike. It was, you know, it was fast, it was light, you could do all kinds of tricks on it. Uh and I didn't break any bones. So uh Which yeah. Is so. Amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, mine was the rally, it was the rally um speed bike. And I always remember just uh, just whizzing up and down. We, we we grew up in a cul-de-sac, which was awesome for going. It's for like not not too many cars, so you could zoom up the road and you go around the circle and zoom down, and you see how quick you could make it. Um, and then the other thing that I had, my dad went to Japan once um, on business, and this was back in the early eighties, and he came back with this the most amazing present ever like you were hoping maybe for some weird japanese sweets that you'd never seen yeah, yeah he yeah. actually gave me and my sister these little tiny handheld nintendo <gasps> game 
I don't even know what you call them. They're handheld. They're not the kind of the original kind of like pre. It's the game and watch. The game and watch. It's the game games, and watch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the game and watch. They had one game on it. Two. Do you remember those yep. two red red buttons? Game yep. A and Game B. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the one he got me was called Chef, and it was mm. basically this poor guy uh, who basically had to keep tossing food up. And there was a little cat with a fork that would try and grab your banger if you didn't get it, and a little mouse that would grab it. And these things were the most addictive yeah, totally. games okay. ever. You would play them forever and you'd, you'd have a high score. And 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 I remember the moments so you'd be going for long drives and stuff and you'd be trying to beat your high score and you'd be getting really close and your hands would be getting really sweaty. And then someone <laughs> would nudge you and you'd, you'd miss the you know, the pancake or whatever, and the game, you'd lose your third life and the game would be over and you'd be like absolutely in a foul mood for the rest of the trip to grandma's. And it was just <laughs> those games. Did you ever have one of those? I game don't think watch? I did. I think my cousin Robert did. And I remember playing it. And, and, and it was that thing as well where it, as the battery went, it would fade as well. It so you had the little fade. character. And yeah, it, it, it sort of batteries. become this grey ghost moving yeah. left and right yeah, as it yeah, would yeah. try to catch as things. You're trying yeah. to get your yeah, eyes Holding cool. it at an angle so <laughs> angle, you get yeah. the sunlight on it. You yeah, got it. It's a little LCD screen. Oh, great day. Oh. So I know a lot of people are going to, going to be thinking, of course, Game & Watch, how can we forget? And there was all kinds of knockoff versions of it. I had one called Prison Break. But it was yeah. literally, it was so simple. And you look at like today, you look at what you can like, you know, online gaming, VR mm. headsets, how far have we come? I mean, this I is utterly. But still, going back to the eighties, those games, the, it was all in the gameplay, um, and they were all addictive. And and yeah, and no yeah. and no silence or mute. So poor parents had to listen to these plinky plonky noises all day long. Must have been absolute hell on earth. <laughs> well, I had a uh, plinky plonky noises. My my last one on my list is a board game called Generals. The Generals. And I can remember even now, I'm, I found the picture online. Uh, and it was like chess for idiots. Uh, you basically have have these uh, two armies facing each other and you move them across the board. And then when they meet each other, you put them on this electronic sort of battle thing on the left. And it made a noise. It went, uh, uh, oh, how did, I've forgotten it now. It's gone completely blank. But it was a bit like diddly, 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 oh, diddly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of you, depending on your rank, one of you won, one of you lost. And oh. um, yeah, absolutely love that. But uh, yeah, very, I love very the way on the box noise. cover, if you can find a picture of this online, folks, of the General's Electronic Strategy Game. Strategy game. I love on the, the, the cover, it has like a little speaker and it's like representing sound coming out by these little waves. Absolutely. As a warning to parents everywhere. It, it looks a bit like, <laughs> it looks like a bit like Guess Who Gone Wrong. Um, do you remember Guess Who? That was a big yes, Christmas yeah, thing as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Battleships um, was another one. Do you remember Battleships? Yeah, of course. Oh of course, gosh, yes. Spawned, spawned a mega movie as well. I love now, it. B- before we wind up, your bike, um, how many gears? Do you remember that was the important thing? How many gears it did was, you have? That's a very good question. I think it only had... I think it was 15, like it had a three and a five cog, which That's was good. quite high for that. Yeah, that That's was very good. Because I think sometimes most got a 10 three, speed. 10 got speed, 10 I remember speed, yeah. even three. Yeah. Do you remember like there were three gear bikes as well? Yeah. Um, great days, great days. But oh, I've always wanted to almost stuff. buy another one just to go. I mean, they look so fragile when you look, you go on the roads nowadays mm. with potholes and all kinds. But <laughs> And I bet they're really heavy as well compared to some bikes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although you can get some now that you can literally pick up with one one little finger. Well, I... Uh, you know, you know Howard and Asa, don't you? Because they oh, cycle. Yeah, friends, friends of ours from school. I I met them a few years ago, and they both came to the pub on their bicycle. Yeah, it was the night you came over in the UK. It was the it? night, yeah. and you yeah. you could, you know, one finger. Yeah. And and Asa recently for charity 
went from uh, Land's End to John O'Groats, didn't he? He, he did, um, yeah, he, on his yeah, bike. Did the, did the whole country. Astonishing. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So um, I hope I hope this I hope this episode has brought back a lot of nostalgia for all of you. And um, you know, whether it was bikes, computer games, ultimately, really christmas and nostalgia was always around the stories that we heard whether it was things that we we heard from our our relatives who came over and scared the bejeebas out of us things that our parents told us about their life all the stories that we read they are all so deeply entrenched in everything that we've done since and i think it's something to really be aware of as writers about the magic that you create when you when you build these stories because you know the the theme the the tradition continues folks and how many books have been bought this christmas like how many millions of kids are going to be opening uh, you know presents and seeing a book that in 20 30 years in time they'll be they'll be reminiscing about absolutely brilliant we're all part of that kind of big big kind of um paying it forward by by continuing to write so get on it folks keep on writing absolutely brilliant stuff so mr say last thoughts for christmas um just you know hope it's a nice peaceful christmas with your family as you say telling stories my family you know once they got a few gels in them you heard all sorts of stories so it was uh, very educational um and you know have a have a lovely time and see you in the new year absolutely we can't wait to be with you in 2022 and thank you everyone for listening to this show this show is dedicated to all of you and our lovely listeners all the brilliant stories that not only you've written this year but you have told us about that you've written in and told us about how um writing is changing life how this podcast has helped one thing that somebody said on there once which has changed the way you look at your life and the way that you write we're so grateful for all of you for being a part of this amazing bestseller experiment family and we look forward to hearing all more of your stories next year and before i forget thank you to everyone who sent in their christmas memories and their favorite toys and books absolutely, absolutely we might have to do this as a little tradition maybe mr stay uh, i think so around I christmas so. time i loved yeah. it brilliant stuff yeah. so with this christmas outro music playing in the background yeah. it's a goodbye and a very very happy christmas and a wonderful new year folks from mark one and a very very merry christmas and a happy new year from mark two Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Merry Christmas, everyone. Take care.